very great way to have over your house or something. You know, you could go stir crazy up in the uh, guest room and stay up there uh, all the time. So, uh, they'd go stir, uh, stir crazy if they'd seen their mind. They would. They would. <laughs> we already know what happened to you, so. <laughs> it kind of, that little trailer that you live in is pretty small, that's for sure. But it's nice. It's actually very nice. It's your home. It is. And I love it because the Lord gave it to me. Amen. Amen. It is very, actually, it's a very nice trailer. Well, let's uh, just give a couple of announcements and then we'll get into our study tonight. But I appreciate you coming to get to meet them. And, you know, you can imagine traveling 3,000 miles. And, you know, Zach's been here before, but... Uh, but uh, Ruth has not been here before, and so just make her feel at home and, and all. This is, this, have you noticed that, that Eugene is different than Florida? <laughs> Eugene is different than most every place in America, <laughs> except maybe San Francisco, Berkeley, wherever else. Uh, tomorrow they got a work day at the property, and they're going to be doing just some different painting, and so... Things like that. Anything else, Larry, we need to know about? I mean, just people showing up to help, I guess. Yep. Going along pretty good? Yeah. Amen. Oh, it was, it was, it was, we all needed this kick in the arm, and it was. It doesn't mean that if you get a kick in the arm that you don't get a kick someplace else, but, uh, you know, it's, it was, it was refreshing to have that, and, I don't know, Monday I just had a, a big step uh, going on, you know. I just felt just blessed of the Lord, and I still feel very blessed of the Lord. And I have decided not to stop feeling blessed of the Lord. How's that sound? Amen. You know, you have to make those resolutions just like Mary hath chosen. You know, that really hit me Sunday is, is that, that heiress tense. She chose, she said, I, this is where I'm going to stay. And the thing is, you're, you're being pulled in directions. And, and the thing is, it's so easy if we've given into it before. But we have to resolve, I'm going to stay where God wants me and, and to cast down those negative devil thoughts and all kinds of things. And just let God have his, his wonderful way in your life. So um, so then uh, this week, uh, the home builders have theirs. Um, the putt-putt went well, I guess, uh, pizza and putt on Tuesday. Fourteen. Fourteen, uh-huh. Good. Amen. They did do the double. They went t- around that twice? Yeah, they went both sides. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow, you guys have... We, the young at heart must not be as young at heart as we thought. They gave up after one time. We played the Roaring Rapids. Yeah, we played Roaring Rapids side. So the right side. Well, we gave up after the easy side then. <laughs> but we had a good time. You know, they do. They do. So. And then uh, Friday night is Home Builders, and that's what time at uh, Waldeckers? Wow. Okay. All right. And then... Um, Sunday, the Needhams are going to be here. And then Sunday night, we are planning a pie social to welcome the Eshelmans, all right? So if you want to bake a pie, and not everybody needs to bake a pie or else we're going to have pie to cahoots galore. Go buy the sherries and buy one, whatever. 
Cookies or pie, yeah, that's fine. We'll just have a dessert fellowship. And the Needhams will stay with us so we get to, to you know, these are champion missionaries. And uh, what they are doing is, uh, there needs to be a book written about what they're doing. It's just amazing. And so they're going to be here both Sunday morning and Sunday night. So looking forward to that. All right. Any other prayer requests or announcements? And we'll, uh, yes. Praise. Yes, praise. My mom has no Amen. Yay. So K Elms zero cancer. Yeah, we're glad for that. Talked with Barb. Um, we went out to dinner with Barb and uh, Ken and uh, what's her last name? Sprague. Sprague. And uh, she her bad cells are 50% reduced. So at this juncture of her chemotherapy and everything, that's really good news for her. She has that um, uh, myeloma. Multiple myelomia, whatever. Myelomia, which is a slow uh, cancer that she has. All right, so any other praise or prayer requests? Yes, Mary? Okay. Okay, and I think I saw Mary. I mean, not Mary. Uh, Diane? Mary Kennedy's daughter. Um, Bobby? We are blessed, aren't we? Amen. Brother Pastor? I just want to praise the Lord for my wife. It's been like 14 years. Amen. Yeah. Let's applaud Kelly. <laughs> today, is it? Is today your 14th anniversary? Today, wow. Amen. You got flowers for your wife? <laughs> yeah, not quite as personal. She would notice the handwriting, I'm sure, <laughs> and maybe even the spelling. By the way, if you want to notice 
I mean, you don't even have to look hard. But to notice the manipulation of our news. You just, all you have to do is read the headlines. You don't have to read the articles. You just read the headlines and you will notice the manipulation of our media. I hope, I hope people, I, I don't know, I don't know if people see that or not, but. Uh, anything else? Aren't we glad we're on the winning team? Yeah. Amen. And it's always the winning team. Just remember that. It's never the losing team. It's already it's, the verdict. The verdict, and and so you, you know, I was riding my bike today, and, and I, I like riding my bike. I wear this this uh, shirt that makes me look like a an athlete. My daughter bought it for me, and it's it's an Oregon bike shirt, and it really is a cool shirt. But I I really think that it has a manipulative um, uh, aspect to it. Because I go and I pass out tracks while I'm riding my bike. And people see that big O and everything, and they think maybe I'm on the football team or <laughs> past football team or, or has-been team or whatever. I, don't, I, mean, I, I might be imagining stretching the truth a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, they, they're so receptive. They, they, oh, I'll take that, yeah. And this and everything is just, is just amazing. But as I was riding my bike, I, w- I was thinking about the choices. And I was listening to a song about uh, their every knee shall bow and every tongue. And why not bow the knee today because someday you will bow the knee. And I'd rather surrender now and, and enjoy having God and working with God and God working for me rather than against me. And what a, I mean, it's a no-brainer of a choice. Would you not agree? I'm glad we made that choice. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you that you watch over us in so many ways. And Lord, as we walk through this world, we realize there are, there are things that weigh us down, things that hinder us. Sometimes we get weary. And Lord, help us to grow. And even tonight, help us uh, just to, to understand some things. I pray that, Lord, that you will take your word and bring it alive into our soul through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to get these truths. Help me to get these truths. Lord, they're wonderful truths. I am so thankful that you, Lord, allowed me to study today and to have time to just to be refreshed. And, and Lord, just thank you so much. Thank you for our congregation. Thank you for bringing Zach and Ruth out here. And, Lord, by faith they're with us. Lord, help us to... Just uh, help them and uh, to get over the jet lag and to just uh, to, to, to discover the riches of ministry here. And we're going to praise you for what you do. I'll bless in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just, I, something I was thinking about, and I, uh, I uh, go back to Hebrews chapter 12, and this is our theme verse for camp. And can I just say how many people step up uh, when... We really need it. Uh, we needed a, a vehicle to pull a trailer, and, and someone is letting us use a vehicle. We needed a trailer to pull our stuff, and and uh, and someone led a trailer. Some, we needed a place to put chairs, and someone gave us a place to store 200 chairs. And uh, and we needed kitchen workers. And I don't know what our count is now, but it's around seven, would you say, about going up to kitchen from our church? From our church. That's half the kitchen crew is from our church. 
uh, as, as people said, I'll go, and, 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 and coming together, and uh, even maybe a, a couple counselors that have stepped in, and, and just amazing that this week, and we're, we're really thrilled. I think your wife is going, is that correct? She's not going. Oh, she would have had a hoot of a time. Oh, that's too bad. I hope she gets well. She caught your cold. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kissing Kathy, not good. Well, we're just thankful for all these things. And, and I don't know about you, but oftentimes when struggles come my way, or and, and struggles come our way every day, why do we have struggles every day? Okay, it helps us to stay close to God. Faith. We're not in heaven yet. That is true. What? Right, and that is that. There's a good point there. That if I like what you did there, uh, uh, did you know what she just demonstrated? The heiress tense. Remember that. That's the heiress tense. Present tense, all right? <laughs> all right, so we, we, we have intelligent Greek classes around here, all right? Uh, in fact, I'm going to go over that a lot tonight that I think is really just amazing. But, uh, but um, uh, we can live in the heavenlies, but we have something that's still attached to us. And I said I'd like to, to, to illustrate this. And he says in... Uh, chapter 12, verse 1, seeing where Compass about with so great a cloud of witnesses, which is these people that have set the, the course. They've lived by faith. They went through unbelievable circumstances. And he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the races before us. So, Mike, come on up. Mike was in my dreams one, uh, one day. I woke up and I thought about how to illustrate this. And, and uh, I'm going to let uh, Mike represent uh, do you want to be the good guy or the bad guy you're the bad guy okay uh, so so mike's going to be the mike's going to be the flesh all right and i'm going to be the soul and remember our our illustration that we had up there with that that uh, rectangle up there and it was split in half and one side was light and one side was dark and basically what you feed it and everything and how you feed it and what you bring in your life. And, and what we have to understand is, is Mike, I'm going to carry you on my back. So turn around, turn around. So Mike represents the flesh. All right. Now. Okay. And so as I'm trying to go forward by carrying Mike, this is what happens. But, you know, I'm making progress. But sometimes he, the flesh, decides to carry you. You right? You see what I say? All right, Mike, that's good. <laughs> Amen. Now, what? Is your back okay? Okay, good for your back. See, I just healed his back. Now, what would make my journey easier? Mike, go, Mike goes on a diet. Right? Isn't that right? And so if we can put our flesh on a diet, not feeding what its cravings are, then we can make good progress. Thank you, Mike. Now, uh, you know, and the reason I picked Mike is because Mike is strong, you know, and, and, uh, and, and he was a good example of a little extra weight there. You know, I, I could pick Jake, uh, but, uh, you know, he's a little bit lightweight there and everything. And, and really, and, yeah, and really, 
who who would I rather carry? You know, would I rather carry Mike, or would I rather carry my grandson? You see what I'm saying? So let's lighten our load. The reason why we struggle so much, and we might never understand this, why we're getting weary sometimes, is we have a load of the flesh that sometimes is causing us to be weary. We might be walking our own efforts. We might be having things that are coming in. I mean, there's things that God has been convicting me of. I remember Rosie, and she's such a sweetheart. Yeah, how many know Rosie? She's in the wheelchair up here in the front, and she, you know, oftentimes wants. She is a just a wonderful, wonderful saint. And what, I remember preaching one time, and she says, you know, God convicted me about that, that I'm letting this come in place of Christ. And, 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 you know, having tender hearts like that, we all need to ask ourselves, man, this, 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 is, hard. this is becoming lump, cumbersome. Well, what am I carrying? There's always the possibility that we're carrying things of our past. Because the devil likes to load us down with our past. Our past is forgiven. We need to get rid of that. But make sure that we're not bringing in things that are, are causing us to be, the, the flesh to become overweight. All right? It's much better for the spirit to be overweight. Amen to that? And, 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 and exercise yourselves on the godliness. All right? Rose? Amen. Do you like that? Amen. When Satan accuses you of your past, remind him of your future. His future. Yeah, his future. You know, we just got to be resolved that every day is a day that God has made. We're going to be rejoice and be glad. Isn't, isn't this the day that the Lord has made? Oh, rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is anew. Thank you, Mike, for illustrating that. And uh, it's, it's wonderful. And, and sometimes you feel that, don't you? And I feel that. Mike, sometimes you feel that. Isn't that right? And I feel it. Phil, how about you? You know, if I brought up Phil up here, boy, I tell you, he would be a piece of cake to carry around. You know, I'm afraid that, you know, I, I, when Mike picked me up, I felt, oh, these arms don't go back as far as they used to. You know, <laughs> I didn't hurt you, did I, Mike? I'm not going to get sued? Okay, good. All right, good. All right. Yeah, at least today. All right. All right. So let's let's go into our study. Do, do we all get it? You know, this is this is the benefit of reading your Bible. This is the benefit of praying. This is the benefit of praising. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our cup. You know, uh, I was having this discussion with someone this week uh, about, you know, it just seems like your cup is half empty. You've heard that inscription before. And then people have said, you know, what? my cup's not half empty. My cup is half full. Can I say it? That's it. My cup overfloweth. And that's what David said in the end of the Psalms. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He came to understand who he was in Christ. And I I really think that that's why David was a man after God's own heart. Is he was rejoicing, praising God, knew who his strength was and uh, who his joy was. So let's keep that in mind. So we've been talking about, let's see if we got this up. I hope we got the right uh, critter up here this time. What happened to it? Oh, dear. It's just warming up. Okay. Okay, there it is. Okay, good. So we've been, we've been on this, and so let's kind of go through this uh, well. We've, we've talked about the sexual sins, the superstitious sins, and the social sins. In other words, when we walk in the flesh, when Mike was carrying me, he says these are going to be the results of that. It's evident. It's unpacking the, the suitcase. And, and uh, so we've listed them. And then we went into this verse, uh, um, 
uh, last time. And and um, let me just quickly go through this because we covered this last week. Don't you realize that is the uh, the perfect point of action? Time you got saved. Now you're going on for Christ. Now you should realize that that those that are in the practice of of doing wrong are not going to inherit this kingdom. Don't fool yourselves. Those indulge in sexual sins and worship idols and commit adultery and male prostitutes and practice homosexuality or, or, or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once uh, that way. Um, and the, the idea there is were is imperfect, which means... This is the way that you conducted yourself. You were going along until you hit a stop sign. And that stop sign was you were born again. So he says you were that way. That's your past. But he, it's, he changes the tense to the perfect tense, which is point of action, now going forward. All right? There has to be. That's what, what, what being born again is. There's a point. There's a point in your life where you're born Again, it's marvelous how he brings this out. And then he says, some of you were once that, but now you are cleansed. Remember, that's the aorist tense. I am cleansed. That's my position. God looks at me as clean and cleansed because of the blood of Christ. You've been made holy. That is aorist tense. It's your position. You've made, been made right with God. That's your aorist tense. That's your position. By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the Spirit of God. All right, so we looked at these uh, these sins, and we talked about the the superstitious sins, which is idolatry and sorcery. So I've highlighted that in red up there, and we've uh, we've mentioned that. And then we're going to talk about the social sins. So as we look at this, I've kind of highlighted this so that you can see the difference. Verse 19 is the sexual sins. The letters in blue that are up there are the social sins, which you can't read with the lights on up there. Maybe we could turn off those lights up on the stage. That way people could see it better. Does that work for you? Just the front ones. There you go. Good. Does that work better? See it better? Good. All right. So I know I shouldn't have picked blue. That's not very good. But idolatry and sorcery. And then he goes into the social sins. And he goes into these as uh, hatred, contentious, jealous, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, uh, uh, dis- dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry, and, and the like. Which I tell you before, as I've told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So really, if you've been born again, you have changed masters. You're no longer under the power or penalty of sin. And you should be conducting yourself as a child of God. It doesn't mean that you don't... Do sin. That's why we have First John one nine. It's if we confess our sins, and he says, if you say you don't have any sins, you are lying and deceiving yourselves. Okay. All right. So as we get into these verses, we started this last week. So I want to go over in this. Maybe you can turn in your Bibles and follow along. These are some long passages, and I want to bring out some of these things. And I'm not sure how to take notes on these things, but if you would um, at least try to. Um, Catch this. It'd be neat if you had your phone with your Greek opened up and everything. You could see it. I was going to put it up on the screen so that you could see how you can discover these things in your in your context. You can also be in different translations. Can I say that looking at different translations can help you to understand the passage? 
if you don't know Greek and, and all. But I really encourage people to look up Greek words. It's free programs out there like that. So this is, uh, and, and, and can I say this, and sometimes I, I don't want anybody to think that I think that, that some of these translations uh, are better per se. I mean, some of them are better, they're more accurate, but translations can have uh, areas where they are not as strong as other areas. They might miss a word. Can I say that? Uh, they might convey a word. I, like there's some of the verses that we're going to look at tonight that I think the King James was more spot on. Okay? So just because I go to the Greek or use a different translation doesn't mean that there's a lot of places the King James is spot on. Okay? Even some of these words like I we brought up Sunday where uh, Martha was cumbered. I really like that word. I mean, that's a word that really describes she's cumbered, all right, uh, just loaded down. But you go in the Greek and you discover out, you know, what that word means. And then sometimes you can find where these words are used in other places and you can let the Bible be its own dictionary. The trouble is you don't know where those words are. Uh, you can look them up in the Strong's. That's what we used to do. We used to find a word, we'd look it up in the Strong's, and we'd go to the different places in the Bible where that word was used. The trouble with that is that you didn't know which Greek word was, because like mine has six different words. Prayer has five different words. All right? So, you know, why does God have five different words? Does, does he mean to use five different words? Yes or no? Yes. When he goes about the mind. Those six different words that describe the mind, there's different aspects of the mind. Will, emotion, your cognitive skills, uh, memory, things like that. that are, they're just a little bit different and all. So, so um, looking up some of these Greek words, and what I love about some of the Bible programs are, and I know some of you have eSword and online Bible. Some of you have the real nice program, which is, what's the nice program? Bible Works. What's the other one? Logos. Yeah, Logos. Uh, that's an expensive program. But man, I tell you what, you want to really get into in-depth study. Do you have Logos? Uh-huh. You're my friend, so maybe I can borrow it sometime. <laughs> it, Ten years ago, yeah. it's That program can be over $1,000. So I get my program free, and I paid $35 for all the upgrades on it. So that's... Uh, but... I love studying because I can plug in this Greek word and it goes me it shows me every place that it's used. And then you can discover what that word means and why it's used the way it is and everything. So here, let's go through this so we can we can see some of these things. I'd like to finish this section tonight. So put to death. This is aorist tense. You don't you don't have to keep crucifying the flesh. You, you put it to death. You need to walk around as if, if Mike tried to pick me up. No, Mike can't pick me up because Mike is dead. Yes, he's heavy, but he's dead. All right? I don't, yeah, he, I don't have to let him pick me up. You see? Does that make sense? So you put to death, and yeah, you've got a load that you're carrying, and some of us have some great loads that we're carrying. He says, put to death the sinful, earthly Things. Now, the King James, I think, has a better word here. It has. It uses the word. How many? Who has the King James here tonight? That's reading there, chapter five. What does it say? So put to. But mortify. 
And, and, and you have to be careful when you say mortify. Does that sound like that's something that you keep on doing or is it a done deal? It does kind of lends that way, doesn't it? it? When you say mortify, it means, but, but if you put something to death, should it ever come back to life? It should be mortified. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that heiress tense is very important here. But what does it say after that? Do you have a King James, Cheryl? What does it say? Mortify the... Okay, and I like the King James word here. Members. Mortify the members. Remember when we got into Romans chapter 6, we were studying sanctification, where it says don't yield your members as instruments, weapons of, of warfare to wrong. What, what does that word members mean? What, are the, what is members? Your body, your eyes. You see, that's why I like that word better. You understand, I have fingers. Those are members. You know, by the way, that's why we have members in a church. You're part of a body. You're part of a local body, you see. So, uh, so I, I really like the King James there. And, and, and so that, but, but, but here, I mean, there's some vividness to this passage. But put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you, all right? Well, that, that's your members here. And uh, that word lurking just means like here your, your, your members are trying to become weapons against you. Okay. Having have nothing to do with sexual immorality. That's the word for fornication, if I'm correct on that. And then impurity, which is uncleanness in the King James. So you get kind of these ideas there. Lust uh, is is uh, there. The, the word lust is inordinate affections and evil desires, which is concupiscence in the King James. Now, that is a tough word. Would you not agree? I don't think lasciviousness is in this passage. It's not in this passage. But, you know, he's using these different words to describe the various aspects of sinful sexual activity, uh, which goes from fornication to this impurity, which the King James uses on this uncleanness and these lusts. And these evil desires are concupiscence. Concupiscence is a tough word to, to know what does that mean. In, in reality, what it is talking about is cravings. Cravings. Does anybody's translation have cravings in it? I don't think so. But that's actually the Greek word is cravings. Yes. What is it? Greed. Okay. Well, the next word is greed. Okay. So the word before greed. Evil desires, yeah. Evil desires is, is what's up here. And, and, um, and that's that word for cravings. Uh, when you get into habitual sin, it develops into cravings. It becomes addictive. That's why we've warned people about pornography. Uh, it might seem innocent, but it becomes addictive. Uh, drugs, addictive. Alcohol, addictive. The cigarettes become addictive. Nicotine and things like that. All right? Don't be greedy. But so we get into here now. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is at what? And we talked about this last week. Because they're worshiping the things of this world. I think that's very clearly spelled out. Because of these sins, uh, uh, the anger of God is coming. And then verse 7, it says, you used to do these things. Now that's an aorist tense. 
which is the idea that, guess what? You have a position in Christ now, but before you were saved, you had a position in this world. Okay, so it's the same idea. And, and uh, you were a sinful person, and you were controlled, and you lived out of the castle, if you want to call it, or the shack or the shanty of your old, old man. Uh, when your life was still part of this world, that's that imperfect again. In other words, that's your past. And I'm glad it's your past. It's like when you got saved, God stopped the past. We got to get over the past. Someone says, well, that person has a past. Well, we all have a past, but it's under the blood. It's dead. Yeah. That's it. When I accepted Christ, I am crucified with Christ. That's an interesting passage there, too. Um, okay, but, and, and now verse 8 is a new paragraph in the Greek, all right? Uh, so when you, when you study the Greek language or anything, and even in English, in English and Greek, they're the, the English comes from the, the, the structure of, of, of Greek, and that's why it's easy for us to understand Greek, because when it talks about these types of verses, uh, verbs and stuff like that, they're uh, the same as, or very close to the same in the English. And so uh, the Bible was not written in chapters. It was written, I mean, yeah, not in chapters. It wasn't written in verses. There was no punctuation. We all understand that, no punctuation. Why was punctuation added to the Bible? Help us to read it, okay? So we have to understand that punctuation is not inspired, though. It was given to help us to read it. The verses were given to help us to know where we are, the chapter. So I can say, Norm, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, whatever we're into here, 1 Corinthians chapter, whatever, okay? So, but, but paragraphs were a part of the Greek structure. Because in, 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 in studying languages, what, what does a paragraph do? Takes a thought, and it, it usually develops a thought. All right, and that's that's usually the case, except when you get into and, and I'm not sure um, the Hebrew poetry is not written in paragraphs and, and I don't know is Hebrew written in paragraphs too or not? I don't think so. So this is a Greek thing that in the New Testament. So verse eight is a new paragraph. So he says, but now, all right. So he's changing this thought, and so he's dealt with. These things about the wrath of God upon those who are in these sexual immoralities and greed and so on. But he's changing now in what you would say, even just like there in the kinds of sins, he's going to go into these social sins. He says, now it's time, it's time to get rid of anger. Okay? Rage. Malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. You know, so there is something to be said about the sexual sins and everything. And those seem to have, you know, it talks about that if a person steals, that uh, he'll have to repay. But he says, when you take in sexual sins, that you are taking fire into your bosom. 
And you don't realize how dangerous these things are. But anger is in this, this list now, in this new paragraph. And these rages and these malicious behavior, these slanders and this dirty language. It's another list. And then he goes on in verse 9. And this is interesting. Most of these others were, you need to get rid of it. In other words, you need to stop doing it. Verse 9 is interesting. This is, I think, the only present verb that's in this passage. He says, don't be lying. That's interesting to me. Why he puts this in the present tense is, is and, and usually uh, sins to us is in the present tense. In other words, don't be in these behaviors. Don't be in these characteristics. But here he, he brings this out is don't be lying to each other. Don't make this the practice. So, you know, I'm wondering if this idea of lying is you can come to the place where you get in the habit of lying that you don't even realize that you're lying. Does that make sense? The habitual liar. And then he says, for you have stripped off. This is the aorist tense. You've stripped off this old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And you've put on, that's the aorist tense, this new nature. And be renewed in your mind. Now, this is interesting. This is in the present tense. And this idea is all right. You've got this new nature. And now he's saying, the present tense, this is ongoing. This is your growth process. This is a part of who you are. You're renewing your mind. You're getting closer to Christ. You're understanding the Word of God. You notice what he says, renewing. As you learn to know your creator and become like him. All right. That's so exciting to me. That is the idea of progressive sanctification. So here you are. You become this new creation. And now this is a part of your life. You're growing and you're getting to know. And that's why it's so important, folks, for us to get into the word of God. We've got to be growing. It'll keep your life Exciting for the Lord. And it's interesting, this renewing is in the present passive. Which means that this is a process that God does to us. Something else does this to us. It's not something that you can do in and of yourself. I think in the context here is the idea that as you pick up this book, you don't realize how it is taking control of your life. It is helping you to grow. It is the passive part that is helping you to to manifest this life in Christ. And you're getting to know your creator. Yes. Present tense, yes. Same same aspect. This is this is amazing because when I got saved, I knew nothing. Literally. I just knew Jesus died for my sins, and I was a sinner, and I believe what God says, and that's it. I didn't know there was an Old Testament, I didn't know there was a New Testament. And listen, my mind is still being renewed. There ought to be things in your life that God has showed you and helps you to see that you need to continue to grow in those things. Could you list some of those tonight? Could you grow in your love? Could you grow in not worrying? Could you grow in your faith? Can you grow in patience? You know what? What what happens is is you ask God, God, what do I need to work on? (laughs) You know, it's amazing that he doesn't give you the mother load at the time, but he'll give you one or two things. 
And I would encourage you, write those things down. If I were to come up to you, Vern, and I says, what are you working on spiritually? What is God showing you that, that, that needs to be a part of your life? There should be things that every one of us, and I would challenge you tonight, that if you don't have some type of a list of what God is dealing with your heart on, you need to figure that out because you won't grow. You've got to discover how God wants you to grow. And this is that renewing the mind. And when you grow, you, you then you discover this light upon your soul that shows brighter and more glorious. The pathway that's before you, what's going on in your life. And that's why I personally believe we grow in grace. Because God has showed us what we have in our lives. Therefore, we can be gracious to other folks. There's no room for haughtiness nor spiritual, um, whatever we want to use, uh, holier-than-thou attitudes. It ought to be that we, as we grow in Christ, we become more humble. Would you not agree with me? So here's this renewing, learning to know. Oh, mm. If we, if we come to that place that devotions isn't I've got to do this today because the pastor told me to do it, but I get to do it and God's going to open up the windows of heaven and it's going to come myself. Now, I know that I'm speaking to a lot of folks out here that it's not that way. And I don't know about you, but if it's not that way, I don't want to just go through those motions. I want God to work and help me. And this year... This is an exciting year. Uh, verse uh, 11. Uh, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized. You know, I didn't look up the word barbaric, but uh, there's a... Yes. Ah, uh, we have a savage amongst us. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. You know, probably uneducated is some of the ideas here. Uh, not civilized. Uh, in fact, that's the next word. Uncivilized. Maybe poor manners, whatever. You know, he's saying it doesn't matter what your status is, whether you're a slave or you're free. Christ is all that matters. I, I really like that, that expression. Don't you agree? You know, it's not that we have a social status here that, Bar, uh, not Barbara, but uh, Darlene is rich and uh, uh, Vern is uh, richer and uh, 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 not Norman, um, our secretary. What's her name? Cheryl. Yes, Cheryl. Secretary. Oh, I, I, you know what? That was very unkind. Uh, Alice, you, will, Alice, will you counsel her? When I when I look at Alice, she goes. She helps me. I mean, sometimes my mind it just it doesn't get it. I don't know what it is. There's something wrong with my mind. No, it's always been that way. I don't know what it is. I even, if you can imagine, I was dating Janie. And we were passing on the Bridge of Nations. Anybody been to Bob? You've been to Bob Jones. 
Yeah, you guys have been Bob Jones. We were crossing on the bridge of nations. We were, I don't know if we were going steady yet. Engaged. <laughs> you didn't have to say that. But we passed. And I was going to say, hey. And I forgot her name. Isn't that awful? So anyways, so it's been an affliction. It's something there that's cognitively. It's one of those great words. Yeah, sweetheart. That's why we call everybody brother. You know, why do we call brothers and sisters around here? Because we can't remember their names. All right. All right. That's it. Oh, it doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. Amen. And, and he lives in all of us. And, and, he's, and, and, and Paul is writing to those who are born again. So you don't take, you know, some people take this passage and they'll say that's the universality of God. He's the father of everybody. No, those that have been saved and it's understood that he lives in those that are saved. Then verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Yeah, he delights in us. He loves us. For John chapter 17, it says that God loves us just like he loves his son. Isn't that amazing? You must clothe yourselves with tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness. So he's telling you what these garments look like. So you can identify, hey, if I've got this old smelly garment on of anger and bitterness and uh, uh, unkindness, he says, put on these good clothes. And you can recognize these in that tender-hearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. By the way, what does that sound like? The fruits of the Spirit. We're going to study those in uh, our next time, possibly. Make allowance. And, I, and, and, and this is not maybe the best word that the New Living Translation brings out here. Make allowance. It actually, the word there means to hold up. Uh, hold up your brothers and sisters. Now, they're bringing out the idea that here are people that are, are, that are struggling. Uh, and, and they've got their struggles. But the idea is to hold up, to come alongside, and then to forgive. And this is that word for grace. This is only used a few times in the word forgiveness, but it's in the present tense. And this is the idea that, man, we're coming alongside. And these are present tense things. These are things that are part of my life, my character, that I'm, I'm helping others on their journey. Uh, I, I'm forgiving. That's, that's an ongoing thing. It's not like, hey, I forgave you. No, it's an ongoing forgiveness. All right. Anyone who offends you. And that word's an interesting word, who complains against you. Has anybody ever complained against you? Remember, the Lord forgave you. Now, what do you think that's in? Present or aorist? Aorist. It's interesting. He says, Cheryl, you need to keep forgiven. That's just going to be, you, you just got to keep forgiving. But it says, God forgave you. I am forgiven. Positionally in Christ. That's what I love these tenses. It brings out this, this positional aspect of our righteousness. And, and then the conduct of our righteousness. So you must, again, forgive others. goes back to the present tense. Does God make a mistake when he writes this? 
No. You're forgiven. I am forgiven. All right. And then, uh, uh, let's see, that was that verse, wasn't it? We, yeah, we, sorry, I didn't bring that up there on the screen. And then he says, verse 14, above all, clothe yourself with love. This is interesting. Uh, in the King James, now, and I, I try to bring this out so that it helps us a little bit here. In the King James, it says, what does it say there? Put on. Do you notice anything about the lettering of the put on? It's italicized. Understand, and, and every translation is going to do this. They will italicize because it's not there, but they're trying to convey meaning. You can't take one language and, and translate it into another language without having to massage some of that. In other words, even a word-for-word -word translation has to have some of those, those things in there. And so when you see the italicized in the King James, and, and the King James is very good about this, they put it in italicized. And so he says, put on this, what? What does it say? Put on charity, okay? And in our translation here, it says, above all, clothe yourself with love. Love, let me see. Uh, what, what, what is the ultimate love? What is it called? Agape. Agape. That ending makes it a noun. Right? It's a feminine noun, actually. It's an interesting. That's a feminine noun. I find that interesting. Guess who has greater capacity to love? <laughs> I think the ladies do. But anyways, he, he makes it. But it's a noun. Which is meaning that this clothing here is, is this, a noun is, is something of substance. Is that not correct? It's an, it can be an idea, but it is, is usually an, a, a substance. Just like the word faith. Faith is not a verb. Faith is a noun. That is a substance. Belief is the verb. Belief is the action to, of faith. Does that make sense? So love here is a substance. It's not an action. It is, it's a, it's a part of this clothing, all right? So I have, I have put on this attire. Just like I wear a shirt tonight and, and, and all and, and everything, you, you put on those things. It's, it's substance. It doesn't have, per se, activity. It is a part of this clothing. It is what people can see in your life. It becomes evident. So he says, above all, clothe yourselves with this love, which binds us. Uh, and, and what is the King James in there? What's that? Which is the bond. That word is the Greek word for ligaments. Ligaments. He's saying that this love is the ligaments. You know what ligaments do? They hold things here. Ask Cheryl. She knows what ligaments are now. All right? And if you've got ligament problems, it's good to get it fixed because it hurts if it's not working right. It holds this. It's binding us. He's saying that this is what binds us together. This is what our bond is as a, as a church, as an entity. Uh, bound us all together in perfect harmony. 
If there's not perfect harmony, there's some substance missing. And you know, substance is, is aspects of our character, isn't it? Who we are. But he says, put this on. And let the peace... And, and then he says, let the peace of God rule. And that's, that's in the present tense as well. In your hearts. That's the word for umpire. For as members of one body, guess who we are? And, and this could be the universal church, but, you know, we're talking to us tonight. And, and I think he's writing to the Colossian church and their one body there. They're united together. Um, the Colossian church had some struggles with uh, the uh, Gnostics, I believe it was. Is that correct? I know Galatians had the Judaizers and... Uh, Colossians had the problems with Gnostics. People were trying to come in and they were trying to spread their, spread their, their doctrines and everything like that. And, and so Paul is trying to unite them together around truth, but he's also trying to uh, reunite them around who they are in this harmony together. And uh, he says, uh, uh, And let the peace of God uh, rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace, and always be what? Thankful. thankful. Guess what tense that is? Thankful. Being thankful. Present tense. Characteristic of my life. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't want me to be thankful on Thanksgiving only. He wants me to be thankful every 24-7. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Then let the message, and this is, I, uh, I think, has something to do with the Gnostics here, but, but let the message, this is in the present tense, about Christ in all its riches fill your life or dwell in you. I think the King James uses the word dwell, and that's a, that's a good, good word. Uh, it is, it's, that it's dwelling in you. It's the present tense, the message, the reality of Christ. Teach. And admonish or counsel each other. The word admonish comes from the Greek word which means to warn. To warn people. And it's interesting. Notice what he says. Teach and counsel each other with what? All the wisdom he gives. And then sing, sing psalms. So we have, we have this idea that we're supposed to come alongside, hold up people, be kind, have love. But we're supposed to come alongside and warn people as well. This can be a dangerous path. I wish people would listen to the warning signs. The indicators that's going on on the dashboards of their life. God helps us to see these things, but we ignore them. And the devil says, oh, it's no big deal. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. You know, that would be a good verse to have just before we start singing on Sunday, wouldn't it be? Do we have grateful hearts? Let's sing to the Lord. And in our songs, there should be admonition. There should be warnings. There should be teaching. There should be doctrinal truths. There are reasons why we sing the songs that we sing. They need to be doctrinally correct. They need to portray who God is. And whatsoever you do or say, do it as a representative. Oops, I'm off a page up there. I'm reading on my notes here. Do as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. Oh, I'm telling you, I, 
I have, I've decided, I've made up my mind. I have made a choice. I think I made the choice at camp. That was the decision I made at camp. That I'm not going to let my past or my what-ifs or my worries or my anxious emotions defeat my soul. But every day, I have a weight on my back. And I'm going on the journey. And it can get tiresome at times. Let's not give in to it. Because it'll pick you up and carry you the wrong direction, won't it, Mike? Did you have problem picking me up? I lost four pounds from camp. So I just did that for you tonight, all right? Still over 200, though. (laughs) Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the truths of your word. Thank you for the riches of your word. Lord, as we have dealt with now this spiritual warfare, we've got to understand. We've got to understand who we are in you. We can't have identity crisis. We, we need to understand that we have all things that pertain to godliness. We can live in the heavenlies. We don't have to succumb to the flesh. Help us to put our flesh on a diet as you show us what might be hindering us in our walk. Because you commanded us to lay aside those sins and those weights that so easily beset us. And, uh, Lord, I'm not sure what the difference between weights and sins are, but maybe in and of themselves they might not be wrong or scripturally wrong, but they might be things in our lives that's just slowing us down. Help us to be sensitive, to be spirit-led. Lord, it is my prayer as we have been in this walking in the spirit, that means to be spirit-led, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us to believe what you say in your word and make up our mind we're going to make a choice To be spirit-led. Not let our bodies, not let the members uh, influence in the wrong direction. Thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. As you go your separate ways.